to the March for Jesus. Uh, the lineup for that starts at noon at J.W. Smith School in Bemidji. And uh, we can pick up a sack lunch at the table and be ready to march around 1 o'clock to the lakeside. And, um, and this Wednesday, the regular things are going on this Wednesday as normal. And then just a scripture for our tithes and offerings today. Uh, we don't pass a plate, but we do have boxes in the back for our giving. This is from Proverbs chapter 3, and it says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. This is the Bible. This is what the Bible says. So your barns will be filled with plenty. That's what the Bible says. And your vats will overflow with new wine. And so, Lord, we, we believe your word. We know your word as we just read it here. And, Lord, that's what our hearts desire is that we would be in that place of being givers of our tithes and offerings. And we know, Lord, that you supply it. We know that does, it just opens the windows of heaven for your supply. And we're so thankful for that. So thankful that you take care of us, even in the midst of economic times that aren't so good, that you continue to help us. And you, you supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so we're thankful. In Jesus' name. And I'm thankful to have Dan going to be sharing with us here again today. So Dan Woodward, we'll have you come up and share. You know, I never got that chair moved out of there. You can just put it to the back. Yeah, we're, we're fine. Not the first chair I ever moved in my life. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be the last. Well, we need to pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. Lord, you are good, and your mercies endure forever. Lord, thank you for Jesus, for that precious gift of sending your Son to die for our sins on the cross, that if we believe in him and receive him, we have eternal life. Thank you that he is the bread of life, and that you want to live your life through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. So, <laughs> I sent all these scriptures to Dean. I don't know if I'm going to use too many of them, so don't get too worked up back there. If <laughs> I'm quoting things that aren't there. Um, where to start, how to start. You know, we used to do some bluegrass music, and um, I think it was Ken Berg, he said, you know, 90% of the battle is being able to start the song and finish the song. He said, everything in between, you can kind of work your way through that, but you got to be able to start and finish. And I kind of feel like that's the way it is, like with uh, teaching or preaching or speaking, you know, you get out there and you ramble along and all of a sudden you can't finish. <laughs> they, call that stair, they call that branch preaching. You finally can jump from branch to branch and you finally run out of branches and you fall down. And you say, and you say amen. <laughs> so, I'm going to try to follow my notes a little bit. The teaching I'm going to do this morning generates out of John 15.5, and I know you have that, so well, it's not even on yet. Um, but basically, Jesus said, apart from me, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And in between there, he talks about bearing fruit if we abide in him. And 
I thought it was kind of unique that we have these lilacs here this morning. These lilacs have done their job. They've produced fruit. And the whole idea is that bees and birds and the wind will pollinate and it will continue the, the life cycle of, of lilacs. Um, Steve asked me what I was going to plant in my garden and I said after Labor Day but what I didn't tell him is I normally plant my garden after the lilacs bloom and the reason is the ground hits a certain temperature I forget what it is I think it might be 60 well when that happens the warm air will rise out of the ground if we get fog I mean frost and it will actually a lot of times it won't touch the ground um, not all the time, you know, there's always the exception, but that's one of the things that I've always noticed, and I think I was told that by, you know, my grandmother or someone, and it's just kind of a rule I normally go by, so um, the whole nature around us is created by God. I remember as a child, do you remember the first song you ever heard that impacted you, a Christian song? Mine was, this is my father's world, and to each listening ear, all nature sings and around me rings the music of the spheres. I remember I was captivated by that song because I kind of like nature. I like being outside. I like, I like just the way things work, the phenology. And... Um, so that's how God's wired me. I don't think I would do well in a city because I would be fishing under bridges and <laughs> killing squirrels in people's yards or something. Uh, God's designed me to notice nature. Um, and that's kind of where this whole thing starts. Starts with a little tray, cantaloupe, had four little plants in there. <clears throat> and so I'm going to get four plants out of there. I'm not going to just take two, you know. So I ripped them apart, but I should have cut them. And when I planted them, I didn't put them in the ground. You know, I, I still had them in planters. Every time the sun hit them, they wilted. If the wind was on them, they wilted. So you'd have to drag them into the shady area and give them water. And I realized the nutrients weren't getting up to the plant, probably. Started the wheels turning again. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I realize I'm misquoting the verse. So, yeah, without the nutrients, without a strong root system, it didn't work very well. Well, the second thing occurred is I gave a friend of mine a chestnut, a horse chestnut tree. And he babied that thing along and nurtured it, and it was, oh, I suppose, like this. And it, they're really pretty trees. And um, I was over looking at his garden, and he said, look at this. <laughs> what had happened is a mouse got in there and girdled the tree in three different spots. And I could tell he was visibly frustrated with that. And I said, well, I think I saw a guy one time cut branches and kind of shave them off and, you know, kind of get down to the roots and then bring it up to an area that isn't girdled. And I, I did see the trees survive. And, and I said, you're going to need some toilet bowl wax. So uh, yeah, I think he did two or three attempts on it. I don't know if the, the tree's going to live. But the idea is... These are going to shrivel up and die. 
okay? That tree still looked like it had life in it. I mean, it was trying to put out blossoms and it was doing its best, but it just could not live without the nutrients coming up from the roots. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. How often in our Christian life do we try to live the Christian life without Jesus? Call it religion. And (laughs) if you've been around really, really religious people, they're no fun. They don't even like to laugh. They scorn at you if you cough in church or sneeze, you know. They're miserable for the most part. They set rules that they can't keep, but expect you to keep them. It's an interesting dilemma. God never, never created us to live according to his word without him being in the center of it. I was thinking, (laughs) I was thinking about the different, I'm now at an age where I've seen a lot of things come and go, you know. I've saw, I've I've seen a lot of, um, I call them, it's a truth, and it's a good truth. But it's not the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you take any truth from Scripture and you isolate it and you make it the truth, it's no longer the truth. Jesus is the truth, the living Savior. And I have seen this go on and on many times. To give you some examples, these aren't on the projector. I was thinking about a scripture in Philippians 4.4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How many can do that? Oh, come on. There's, oh yeah. (laughs) Can you do it in your own strength? No. You know, Paul's sitting in prison. Right now, I don't think real highly of my government. (laughs) To be real honest, I just don't. I was kind of raised that way, though. My dad was a strong union guy. He said, I mean, I never met a person from a different party until I was in my 20s. We We were DFL, true blue. He looked at me and goes... And he didn't say a lot of things, but this is one of them I remember. He goes, you're just electing the most honest crook. (laughs) And, you know, you'd let that go in one year and out the other, but as I'm, you know, in my 60s now, I go, you know, there was some wisdom in that. (laughs) But, you know, you pull up to the gas pump and you pay way too much. You go to the grocery store and you pay too much. You want to go fishing and all it does is blow. One day you got 100 or 90 degrees or 85 degrees and the next day it's 35. And I remember this week, and I don't normally get too frustrated, but I remember it, I go, man, why do I live here? And I don't normally do that, but I think it was just like everything is just going haywire, you know? You go to work on something and you burn yourself with your soldering iron. You do things two or three different times. And it's just like rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, mosquito. Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> we got my daughter, son-in-law, and two kids are with us until they get into their house. 
And the one night it was like, oh, mosquito, oh, it's like the whole place kind of erupted with the two little kids. Yeah, mosquitoes were another thing. I forgot about them. Everything just kind of just wasn't working out. And the words, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And I'm going, yeah, that's, I can't do that. Nope. I want to, I just, I feel frustrated and I got a right to. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but God. And then Thessalonians, you know, you got five, I think it's 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I'm going, okay. You know, kind of I can. Kind of I can't. (laughs) You know, anyone who says it's easy, they either have tapped into the the, the grace of God and they, they are walking in it fully, or they're, they're deceived. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is. Anyways, you know, I, I know that Paul's words had merit because he was in prison. He was under a very corrupt government, right? I mean, the Romans were not what you call your first choice to be dominated by. I mean, you know, they were kind of nasty. I mean, I don't even know why they killed Paul, really. I, I, I just, and it just never made sense. But he could say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Then we come into scriptures like um, 1 John. I think it's 4, 7, and 8. I mean, I quote the first part of it, but there's a second part that's kind of interesting. It says, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that lo- that and everyone that knoweth God." Okay, beloved, let us love one another, for 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 love is God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We used to sing that song. In fact, when I first got born again, I think I, we sang that song, and I was sitting in a class, and one of my friends says in high school, this guy gets up, and he goes, walking to the front, and he looks at me, he goes, I hate that guy. And I looked at him, and I says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And he turned bright red. <laughs> and I turned around and said, what did I just say? <laughs> Pretty hard to love people sometimes. But, oh yeah. I remember listening to this lady on, or this person on TV go, I love you, but I don't have to like you. And I go, that's stupid. That is stupid. You know, it's like you're, it's like if you, if you read the, if you read the epistles, it says, you know, the big toe says, or the head says to the toe, I have no need of you. Knock off your big toe and see how life goes for you. Not good. We're put into a body. Do we all mesh and get along super great? No. But you don't say, I don't like you. That's just kind of saying, get out of my life, you know. I don't need you. Does that mean you got to hang out with them and, and have coffee? No. But you respect them. And when you look at another person you don't care for, consider that Jesus Christ, if they're born again, is living in them. That's God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. His poetry, his expression to the world. Honor it. But don't despise it. Anyways, so this thing about love is not easy. Rejoicing isn't always easy. Praying without ceasing is not always easy. 
You know, giving thanks and everything isn't always easy. But one thing that I, I was kind of interested, that, that I found interesting, it says in verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Mm. And again, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branch. So we have to live through him. If the love of God, if, if okay, I'm going to start with another thought here that's, that's akin to this. We used to sing a song, I have the life of God in me. I have the life of God in me. I have his love, his nature, and his ability. I have the life of God in me. A little chorus we used to sing. If the life of God is in us, we should start to see some manifestation in our physical bodies. Normally the first thing that happens when you get born again, if you really got born again, is people notice you're not doing the things you used to do. You know. Repented, you walked away from sin. There's a, what would you call it? An example of this, Moody preached and, uh, you know, big revivals in Chicago. And a young lady came up to him and said, you know, I would really, really like to be born again, but I like to dance. And he said, well, tell you what, you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you can dance all you want. She came up two nights later, and she says, I'm dancing all I want. And he said, really? He goes, yeah. She said, I don't dance. I don't want to dance. That's what happens inside, you know? We have another verse in Timothy 1.7. It says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. No, he's given us the spirit of life inside of us. And um, if we don't have the spirit of fear, we have the spirit of life. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So when everything is really turbulent and nasty out there, and you feel perplexed and you feel anxious, you can kind of kick back and you can say, Lord, I've got a sound mind. I've got, I got a sound mind. I have the Spirit of God in me. I have actually Corinthians, first, Corinthians, I think it's uh, the first chapter towards the end of it, it says that we have the mind of Christ. Does that mean you think like God? Well, probably not. But it means that you have access to his thoughts. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, of course. Isaiah 55. But next time you're perplexed, instead of focusing on the thing that's bothering you, Focus on the promise that he's given you. Like Steve was saying this morning, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Hmm. Rather than, man, this is just, this is wrong the way this is all going. Or I'll give you an example. Uh, we could go... I bought some stuff at Fleet. 
Maybe it was even two weeks ago, but I started looking for it a week ago. And I bought some grease, and I bought some epoxy, marine epoxy, and uh, some silicone. And I knew I bought them. I knew absolutely that I bought them. And I could not find them. Yeah, I just like, ooh. And I, t- I mean, I looked everywhere that I could possibly think they Gotta be there, gotta be, no, it's not there. And, you know, it's like, well, Lord, where do you think they, well, I put them? <laughs> he knows. And I go, well, maybe, and I think, well, maybe God thought I did that. So I might go over to another spot and look, it wasn't there. You know, a lot of times you think God's speaking to you. Nah, he's just you. And, uh, I don't know. And here's the thing. A lot of times when you're going to get an answer to a prayer, it's when you least expect it, right? It's because you're, you've surrendered it. You've laid it down. And, uh, and I go, oh, you know, look in the car underneath your jacket. And it wasn't a voice. It was just a thought. Like, Check that out. And I knew, I knew that's where it was. I mean, I, I, I mean, I would have bet money on it. And I walked over, and sure enough, there it laid under my jacket. And I had two or three th- things kind of happen that week. I should write them down because we need to, we need to rejoice in those victories. But we need to expect the Spirit of God to rise up, show us things, and. We should be the answer to a lot of the problems in this world. Yeah. I remember listening to a lady from Australia. And she was a nurse in in a small community there. And uh, I don't know what Australia is like, but I know what Alaska and Canada are like in these small communities. Um, Everyone knows everyone's business. And um, there's normally a nurse, kind of, that takes care of any physical needs that they can. And she said, you know what's really crazy? She said, most of the village is Christian, born-again Christians. But you know what? 80% of them are on, are on all of these antidepressants and uh, drugs to give them, you know, uh, what do you call it? I'm not even sure of the names of them, but to just kind of cool them off, you know, and let them kind of concentrate. And I'm, I, you know, I'm not attacking anyone that's, that's, that's dealing with that stuff, but she said, I just find it really strange. Because she said the people that aren't Christians, they don't even bother. Well, they probably self-medicate with alcohol and whatever, but they don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is another one that... <laughs> you got to get rid of, and that's worry. And for some reason, worry is one of those things that the church is elevated into a, what would you call it? Kind of a, it's a good thing, you know? It's good to be a little bit concerned about stuff, you know? Now, I'm not saying be capricious and don't care at all about anything, but well, maybe I am, I don't know. <laughs> be anxious for nothing <laughs> but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God but anyways that's yeah but I've seen worry be almost an, uh, a mature thing you know we're worried about this and brother we're worried about that and you know what Worry will kill you quicker than smoking. It will. You can't sleep at night. I grew up with a mother that worried a lot. She had a lot. She had really a lot of good reasons to worry, actually. But you don't need to. You've got the life of God inside of you. You got the answers. But you got to quit trying to solve it all yourself is really what it comes down to. Self. 
you know? Well, bless God, I'm going to, I'll show them, you know? I, I will not do that particular thing, whatever it is. I'm going to fast TV for a week. Bless God, I'm going to do it. Don't lighten my load, Lord. Just make me stronger. That was a song they used to play up in Fairbanks, Alaska. I hated it. Like, oh, don't light my load. Just make me stronger. It's like, God didn't create you to be a pack animal, dummy. No. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You know, learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. Don't stack more on. So anyways, you know, you, you get to the point sometimes where, I shouldn't have done that illustration because I lost my train of thought, but anyways, um, we don't need to be carrying things. We were designed to live in God and to put everything into the hands of Jesus and allow the life of God to flow out through us. Um, one more illustration I'm going to use, and none of these were in my notes, so if it sounds a little bit miscombobulated, that's just the way it is, I guess. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. Although I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. If you want to feel convicted, you can read this one sometimes. You know, it's as though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. I have become as a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. All right. And though I give the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. How often in today's society, well, that guy's got faith. Bless God, he might be as mean as an alligator when he's in the line at the airport, but he's got faith. Hmm. Whoops. What does it say? <laughs> I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Man, I tell you what. That's love, isn't it? That's what our thoughts are. It gets a little bit dicey here. You've got faith to move mountains. You can give all you have to the poor to feed them. And though I give my body to be burnt, willing to be a martyr. Now, I don't know about you, but there was a time in my book that that guy would be, or that person would be rated really high, right? Don't you agree? I mean, seriously. And have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. It says, you know, love is patient and kind. Love is not envious. It's gentle and meek, seeks not its own way. So I saw something here that I never saw before, and it's this. Your self-effort in love is going to amount to what? No thing. Nothing. And I found that in life. You know, you have a little conflict with someone, and the first thing you do is you try to compensate them, man. But it gets worse. It doesn't get better. And the only answer to that is God's love flowing through you. Knowing when to shut your mouth and knowing when to talk. Because his love is patient, it's kind, suffers long, and never fails. But our love will hit the rocks. Have you ever tried to love someone and they didn't reciprocate and they actually got meaner? 
and then you get mad because you're walking in filial love, brotherly love. This is agape love. This is the love of God. But anyways, we talked about this is where we got a little bit off track. Um, We talked about the Spirit of God coming inside of you, making a difference in how you operate in life. You know, you quit sinning, you're moving ahead, you're walking in love, you're walking in rejoicing, you're walking in thanksgiving, but you're not doing it by your own merits and your own strength. Another area is uh, Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Um, We should expect for God to touch our bodies, to strengthen them. We shouldn't expect to die crippled, beat up, and um, of no use. The Spirit of God is inside of you. And twice in that verse, it talks about the resurrection power. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's powerful. Go down to verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. So if you try to love after the flesh, if you try to walk in holiness after the flesh, If you try to do anything in the scripture after the flesh, it won't work. And that's why we have so many frustrated Christians today. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Through the Spirit, we make these corrections in our our attitudes and in our life. The Christian life can either be an incredible adventure and experience, or it can be like dragging um, a 30-pound logging chain around your waist. If you're trying to do it on your own, you can do a lot of really good things. People brag about the rich people giving all, giving all this money to, you know, these nations. That's nice. But sooner or later, it seems like there's a motive there. <laughs> that isn't nice. You are created by God, for God, to live through. Um... How do we get there? That's the question. So, none of that was in our notes. I just flunked homiletics. John 1 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Jesus is the life of God. John 6, 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Again, the God kind of life. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it more, what? Abundantly, not just kind of, abundantly. The life of God's coming up into us. Well, we know what the, uh, we know what the uh, job description of the devil is, to kill, steal, and destroy. What is death? There's probably three definitions, maybe more. But I'm going to talk about spiritual death. When we go back to the garden, Adam and Eve 
had communion with God. If you recall, they met in the evening, in the cool of the day, and they fellowshiped. And I remember some of the words that impacted me a lot was um, I I was working with this German guy and I think he said Adam, wo bist du? God was looking for Adam. Of course he knew where he was. He had sinned. But separation spiritual death As long as we're separated from God, we can't have spiritual life. Jesus came and he brought us back into spiritual life, the life of God. That's where you are today if you're born again. If you're not born again, you don't have the life of God. So I was thinking, how do we nurture this life and let it flow out of us because we do have a part in it you know I mean people say grace without works is dead yeah you know what I believe a lot in grace but I don't believe in grace so you can sin I believe in grace so that you can live what the Bible says Someone starts talking to me about greasy grace, and I go, well, hey, if, you're, if you just want to live in sin, I, you know, you can find a million you know, reasons to, to, to walk around the scripture, but if you want to live according to the Bible, if you want to live according to what the truth is, you need grace. You need a lot of it. How do we maintain the life of God in our walk? In Luke 10, 38, 39, 40, and uh, 42, we have the story of Martha and Mary. And Martha sees Jesus coming along, and she says, Hey, Jesus, come to our house. In the Middle East, when you came to someone's house, you, uh, they put on a big meal for you. I mean, that was part of the culture. So Martha's working hard, and she looks over, and there's G, there's Mary, her sister, her helper, sitting around at the feet of Jesus. And she gets perturbed. And if you don't think you would get perturbed, I think you would. I would. I'm not going to pretend I wouldn't. And she goes up to Jesus, and she says, Hey, Jesus, why don't you tell Mary to come and help me so you can eat? And Jesus said, You know what? She's chosen the best, the best choice. She's made a good decision. So the idea of sitting at the feet of Jesus, again, we're going back to this central thing of It's about Jesus. It's about fellowship. It's about that life coming out of you because you spent time with God. I'm not going to tell you that I pray hours every day in a location. I don't. But my thoughts are never far from God. And a lot of times I tell him just exactly how I feel and what's going on. That's prayer. For me. Now you might have a different formula. But it's fellowshipping. It's fellowshipping with God. I saw something that I have never ever seen before. It's in Revelations. Revelation. It isn't Revelations. It's Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. 320. 3.14 through 20. Ah, yeah. We can all look at it together. And under the angel of the church of Laodicea, write, these things saith the Amen. 
the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. He's aware of what we do. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have no need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Oh, I almost fell off. And white, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And we're going to come back to that verse. So, I know this verse can be, or these verses can be interpreted a lot of ways. Everything from the, you know, the final church age to, you know, many different venues, depending on what you're, you're teaching on. But I find that scripture a lot of times is a lot like a, it's like a gem or something. You hold it up to the light and it has different facets. And I just saw this. This is a church that is totally filled with self-dependent people. Laodicea was a, it was a place where they had, um, it, was a, it was a medical center for that day. If, you know, can you imagine, you know, um, it was a financial center, a lot of trading and stuff. And people were doing good. They were doing very well. They did not need God. Kind of like today, a little bit. A lot of times we get into a bind. Do we pray? Hey, Lord, bless this. I'm running here for this to get fixed. Right? Not that it's wrong to maybe go see the doctor or the dentist or, you know, the butcher, the candlestick maker, whatever. Not wrong. But the day that that replaces the life of God in you you're missing it. You know what sin is? That's a noun and a verb, by the way. But the verb form of sin means to miss the mark. I think any time we replace our trust in God with something else, we miss the mark. And what's the wages of sin? Death, yeah. But the gift of God is eternal life. Okay. Not doing this to like, pow, drop a hammer on you. But just saying, be conscious of the fact that you are dependent on God. I mean, right now, you know, truckers are going broke, small business is going broke. We can go on and on and on. We've got crises after crises. You can't fix it. You can't. But you can thrive in it. Yeah? You can thrive. And you can be a testimony. Just like Paul was sitting in the old, he's in the jailhouse now, you know. Getting his jailers born again, writing epistles to the churches, taking care of apostolic business. So, let's go to 20. Here is the answer. Remember, I said Jesus said, I am the bread of life. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and opens the door, you got to open the door. I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. This is not written to sinners, although it's used for that. It's written to the church. Get off your busy life. Get away from your worries. Get away from your fears. Get away from your whatever, frustration. Open up the door. I'm going to come in. And in the Middle East, when they said, ah, we're going to feast, the person that invites themselves, see, like, remember, Martha invited Jesus. Well, Jesus is inviting himself. They bring the feast. He's bringing the feast. He's bringing the goodies. The music, the food, the council. He's doing it. But again, the answer is Jesus. It's not, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. Oh, man, am I, am I being like the Laodicean church, you know? No, don't worry about it. The answer is right there. Right there. He wants to be in our lives, expression, and then expressing himself through us every moment of every day. Yes. And it's kind of fun, actually. So with that, we're going to close, and we'll pray. Father, we thank you that you are so good to us. You provided everything we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. We thank you. And Lord, we just ask that, well, we don't just ask, but we ask that we would be reminded daily, moment by moment, to just stop and talk to you. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit in us and how you want to tenderly bring us through this life so that we might be a testimony unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dan. That word is applicable, I believe, to all of us and to me personally, too. And uh, just thanks for bringing that word today. And uh, if anyone would like personal prayer, just come to the front here and we'll pray with you. You know, we'll join together in prayer. So God bless you all.